Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Do you feel like you have permission to be ambitious in your role? Or do you ever feel like you hold yourself back from taking your career to the next level for whatever reason? Today, we are talking about permission for ambition with Anna Gordon. Anna is a career strategist and mindset coach with over 20 years experience in the employment and career development sector. So she's also spent some time in nonprofits. So she's got a really good understanding of what we as women leaders are going through. These days, she's on a mission to help women lead, laugh, and level up their careers and lives. Woman after my own heart, because it's not just about your career, it's your life as well. She wants you to own your values, free your ambition, and stop apologizing for wanting more. Hallelujah. When not talking about careers, you can find her salsa dancing, drinking too much coffee, or scribbling down ideas for the greater good. Let's transition over to my conversation with Anna Gordon as we talk about you taking permission to be ambitious. Have you ever felt like you've been holding yourself back? Well, let's welcome Anna Gordon because she's going to talk about how maybe we stop holding ourselves back. So Anna, everybody's got a little bit of an introduction to you, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thank you. Good, good. All right. So I always start with, I want my listeners to have a little bit of history behind you. Your What's your title though, officially? Uh, well, I have currently dubbed myself a career strategist and mindset coach. Awesome. I've dubbed myself a leadership development coach. I don't know who knighted me that or crowned me <laughs> that, but that's what I call myself. I love it. <laughs> so tell us, Anna, how you got to this place in your career? Because I know it's been a bit of a journey. Uh, You know, it has been a journey. And, uh, you know, I like sharing it with people because I think often people think there's this very uh, well thought out linear path, you know, and if they can just find the right steps, they'll get where they need to be. And most people you'll find it's really been quite a journey with lots of different uh, changes and different paths and and course corrects and that sort of thing. So uh, for myself, uh, I'll go back to when I was in high school. Um, I was a singer, very studious, um, you know, honor roll, A student, very driven. How was was I? I know what I know. That's that's quite common for for a lot of people. And then we go, geez, you know, how did we get to where we are? Well, uh, I know for myself, I thought, you know, I'm gonna finish school, go to university, double major in in music and something else like sociology or economics, something like that. You know, try to get in all the different pieces of my personality. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, at that time, there was a tragedy in my family lost my father when I was uh, a teenager and that actually threw my family into poverty for quite a few years. And poverty has a way of making changes and making decisions in our lives that maybe we weren't anticipating for ourselves. Uh, When I finished, or pardon me, when I finished high school, uh, I really, I needed to work. I just did not have the opportunity to go right on to post-secondary education. So I worked and through that experience though, I learned that I had an aptitude for business and was quite enthusiastic about it. So by the time I went 
back to school, I decided I was going to focus on, on business and see where that would take me and focus on business management and had intended to go back and study and become a self-employed business consultant. Right. But then that experience also provided another shift. And I'd have to say it was that process uh, of, of being in business studies that actually changed the direction of my life. At the time, I was studying with a lot of people who had come from all over the world mm. that were wanting to not only learn, but get established here in Canada and navigate the Canadian labor market. And I was fascinated by their journey and fascinated by this process that they were trying to navigate. And also, I was trying to navigate my own way at the same time. And so, really, it was... Um, enthusiasm and curiosity that led me to start reaching out to different employers and agencies in my city. And I would call them up and say, here's who I am. Uh, here's the type of work I'd like to do. Do people actually do this work? I want to help people. Here's what I want to do. And I think just my uh, youthful exuberance and boldness, you know, I didn't know any better, right? I didn't know that maybe that wasn't appropriate, but it worked for me. Uh, it actually led to some meetings and interviews and ended up where I landed my first job working at an immigrant women's employment counseling service, helping newcomer women get established here, and then led to many years of helping people with their job search and employment journey. Wow. That Okay. So first I have to say there's a similar path that I'll talk about in a second that you and I hit. Right. But I think the fact that you created your position is something that I think we're going to talk about as we move into more of these conversations, because I think that's really powerful. What I notice a lot of women do is take the path of least resistance, whatever's offered to them, whatever somebody suggests, and that's not always the best course of action for us. So that's interesting, but let me back up. When I was in high school, I lost my sister. And so I was 14, she was 16. And so things changed in our family and the dynamics changed. I had this vision of heading to university and getting my social work degree. That didn't happen. I ended up going through a different route in college, which was fine. But I ended up getting my child and youth care diploma, which changed things, right? And so I think there's some awareness that life impacts our decisions and we can choose to let them impact our decisions in ways that maybe aren't what we want or we can take a little bit more ownership of the direction we're going. And I just have to comment on that. I, I love how you've said that, you know, it may, life may impact some of what is going to affect our, our work and our careers, but, you know, it's that taking ownership because it's funny to this day, I still will run into people that perhaps I knew in high school and they'll say, oh, it's such a shame that you didn't go to Broadway. You didn't get to become a singer. And I'll say, I, I've been able to do some wonderful things. And if you think I don't perform in my work, well, then you don't know what I do. Yeah. So um, really that ownership piece, I think, is really, really important in terms to, of how we see our work and how we value our work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you ended up doing a lot of work with employment, getting, you know, those kind of things. Uh, I'm guessing you spent a fair bit of time working in nonprofits, that kind of yeah. world. Yeah. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And so what did you learn along the way about women and leadership? 
Well, you know, there's a, there's, there's a few layers to this, and especially when we're talking about um, nonprofits, because nonprofits are uh, very dependent on women. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Um, and I, I mean, there's a whole complex thing there in terms of, uh, you know, salary and, and what women will or won't negotiate or will or won't ask for. And that's also why I think it's very heavily influenced by women, not only due to our willingness to help and to contribute to community, but also uh, because of what some of what women are willing to tolerate, right? Uh, so that's certainly a whole conversation that I'm starting to see bubble up in this sector. Yes. Um, but um, I would say the, the biggest thing, and I don't know that this is necessarily unique to nonprofits, but it's this feeling of it's okay to be ambitious, uh, assertive on behalf of other people, but when it comes to advocating for our own needs or desires or wants, then all of a sudden that word, you know, it takes on a different meaning, you know, that word ambition yeah. becomes uh, very negative. And that's really the big thing that I've noticed over the years. Yeah. I was just coaching a client and she was talking about, you know, she's a go-getter. She's a high achiever. All of this kind of, I'm going to, you know, help the company get this and I'm over there helping my employees do this. And, and then she started talking about work-life balance for her employees. And I'm like, what are you role modeling for work-life balance? Mm. And she's like, not very good. And so, you know, she was talking about having a conversation with her boss about the resources on her team and how her team is stretched. And we got into a little bit of a conversation around, and what do you need? You know, what are you going to advocate for yourself? And so there's a there's a way that we can move up the ladder, but that doesn't mean we have to give up all of these other things, I think. And I think, you know, and that's a very good point as well. I think sometimes that courage happens from we, we kind of need or know what we need for ourselves, but because we're so uncomfortable asking for it, it's a lot safer to advocate for that for others. Yes. Right? And we hope that in some way, maybe there'll be a trickle down or a, a payback effect in being able to really fight for other people. And maybe we can, you know, finally get the permission we're looking for to have some of those rewards. Okay, I know this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but you got to tell the people about the window story in your LinkedIn post today. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, that one really, really has stuck with me for years. I have never forgotten it. Yeah. Um, I was working at an organization and uh, I was sitting at the front desk and one of my coworkers came by and you know, she kind of was hovering around my desk and hmm, do you think it's very warm in here? What do you think? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Maybe it's a little warm. What do you, you know, how are you feeling? She, oh, well, it's kind of warm, um, you know, and hemming and hawing again. And I finally said, well, okay, you know, if you're warm, why don't you open the window? And that suggestion just threw her into a spin. She just, well, um, I don't know. And uh, maybe perhaps and and finally I just I needed to just remove her suffering I couldn't stand any longer and I just said to her how about this why don't you go and open the window and if someone complains about it I will say that I opened it and she literally 
wonderful and was off to the races and went and opened that window. And I was really stunned because at the time I was uh, a brand new, you know, junior member of the team. And this was someone who had multiple degrees, had 20 years of experience and was working on a very high level project. And yet opening a window <laughs> was this huge thing for her. And I, I just thought, I just... I can't imagine being that afraid to make a decision, especially about something so low risk. And, you know, um, I've seen that play out in many other different ways over the years, but um, that I always thought was a really fun example. So what do you think that, what's the underlying message from that example? Uh, Well, I I mean, there's a few things. Uh, One would be really that we have to be able to, to, to risk and making a decision is a risk, but also not making a decision is making a decision. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think we really need to realize that and embrace the fact that one way or another, we are making a choice. Yeah. So if we can get that little bit of extra courage to take the risk, uh, you know, then we feel a little more comfortable when we talk about things uh, in terms of stepping into career advancement or leadership yeah. or ownership. Yeah. Those are, all things that are necessary yet, you know, opening the window is going to throw us into a tailspin. It's really, yeah, it's really hard for that person to demonstrate confidence. And I have to say, and this is not to be unkind, but that individual I was referring to, I've seen her throughout my career. And yet, you know, as a leader of teams, I wouldn't have hired her for certain roles just from that one interaction. So, yeah. doesn't mean she was a, a bad person or that I didn't like her, but you know, that really sent yeah. quite a message to me. Yeah. So the work you do now helps women what? Or leaders, people? Right. Uh, the big thing I wanted to do, and, and I really found in about 2016 that my focus had changed. Um, uh, you know, I'm very passionate, certainly, in helping people with employment and job search. But I found, you know, moving into my 40s, my children being older, having those years of, of leadership and perspective and seeing some of the changes that uh, I had dealt with over the years and I'm still dealing with now, you know, through my own journey, um, that I really want to help facilitate these conversations um, in terms of women being afraid to step into their their dreams or their greatness, because I think that this silence is really stifling a lot of potential that could be good for a lot of people, not just the individual, but the example and the things that they can bring forward. And so right now, uh, in a nutshell, I would say that I'm really on a mission to free women from their fear of judgment. I think a lot of the things that are holding women back all come down to this fear of judgment, and it's the judgment of not being nice. <laughs> oh, yes, you just nailed it on the head, didn't you? Um, we're people pleasers. We are you know, wanting to nurture and care for people. We're wanting to be liked. We're wanting to not rock the boat. And it holds us back and our teams back and our organizations back without a doubt. Very, very much so. Very much so. Um, because, you know, if I you know, can't advocate that uh, I deserve a better salary, let's say, as, as a leader. Yep. 
you know, then, then how does it really bring the whole, let's say just the nonprofit sector, how do we bring the sector forward and how, and also if we look at, at the, at the work being done, um, you know, a lot of people attribute money to value. So if we tell them that we'll accept a certain level, we're sort of diminishing some of the value of that work. That's very, very important. And so I think that's part of why we have to speak, speak up about those things. Yes. I will say that over the years I look at, uh, and I, and I don't want to imply that, you know, men are bad, but I look at some of the wages that I had compared to men, you know, equal to my role and men often made more than I was getting. And you're right there. There was a bit of a, Oh, they're a little bit better. They're, they're sort of next in line. And uh, you know, the other thing I want to say too is I think we apologize. So for me, you know, I had four kids and so there was, oh, I can't travel. Or if I travel, I have to, you know, make sure I have time to go back and phone my kids in the hotel room before whatever. And so there was always this apologetic piece that came with my work. Uh, I would agree. And the, the sad thing of that is that, uh, we end up through that action, that, that apology, right? Creating this less than. Yes. That somehow our work is secondary when really our work is just as important and yet we're doing that plus juggling the, all these other things. So certainly there's a lot of other social elements yeah. uh, at play here and that's also why we have to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, and it's funny what you were saying in terms of the, the wage disparity. It, I remember being a young woman and working at a place and the employer came right out and told me, well, I gave the person, this other person who happened to be male, I gave him the hours and the money because he probably has a family to support. Ouch. And I was just stunned by that. He didn't even know if this person really did have a family, but the assumption was <laughs> maybe it's a man, he must be responsible for more than you are responsible for, which kind of shocking and you know that was yeah, his yeah. reasoning okay and uh, that we could go on and on and on about that <laughs> that's a whole other you're going to talk to us about the strategy you use with women before we get there touch yes. on imposter syndrome first oh that's um that's a huge one and the funny thing is is that people assume that um, which is also why I think we need to talk about this a lot. Women assume that it, it must be just them or that women at a certain level, they've conquered it and they're over it. And so I've really been working hard on digging up examples from women in all sorts of different industries and their feedback on this sort of thing, because I mean, you're still having, you know, the Meryl Streeps and the Amy Polers and even Maya Angelou, there's history of her talking about this imposter syndrome. So people that we look up to and admire and we think that they've, you know, achieved fame and wealth and all these other, you know, things. And meanwhile, they're still dealing with this. And imposter syndrome, it's really this, um, this sinister thing that I think slowly eats away at a, a person's self-confidence because we just always assume that someone else is smarter or they must know more or they have a better strategy or they've just figured it out. And They've and got really, it all together. That's just it. And it's not the case. It's really this process of, of doing and constantly doing the work to try and get over that negative internal dialogue. And, and 
Whether or not that ever really goes away, I don't know. But I think the more we talk about it, the more we can certainly battle it. Let me give you an example. So I'm coaching a client this week and she says, I just like, I feel like I'm never on top of things and I'm in meetings and, you know, people will say things like, oh, can you take this on? And she's like, inside I'm going, oh crap, like I'm overloaded. How am I going to do it? And she says, but I say, sure. And she says, nobody around me knows that inside I'm panicking and nervous. And so then a little bit later, she says something about, you know, all of these other women primarily have it together. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you just say that you put on a show that you have it all together? Like, how do you know they're not putting on a show that they all have it together? She's like, oh my God, you're probably right. I'm like, we all have that inner dialogue and you're right. It's getting a hold of those inner thoughts uh, and, and that's the work that I do a lot of inside my training library and my coaching with, with women is slow that thought process down. Because if you're thinking, I can't do this, I'm overwhelmed, this is never going to work out, then that's what you're going to get. If you say something in your head like, I don't know, but I can figure it out, that growth mindset, which I know you talk about as well, is like, okay, now what? And slowing that thought process down is incredibly important. You know, that's that's a very good point. Um, yeah. Slowing that thought process down and then also getting some of that validation from somebody else and hearing about yeah. it, just sort of how you framed it to her. Did you not just say that you're pretending? Maybe these other people are pretending too and they don't have it together. Um, I also have an example from a recent interaction. Um, someone that I respect very much in my network had reached out to me and you know said, do you have just a few minutes? And I thought she was going to connect with me to ask you know, something for one of her team members. And she actually confessed that she was you know, really considering pursuing a, a high level position. And I said, that's wonderful, that's great. I think you would be excellent. And, I thought that was the end of it. And then she just started to sob and was feeling very shameful about it. And just as much as I personally respected this person and saw them as a very high level leader already in my community, this woman did not see herself that way and just thought, how on earth do I even have the right to consider applying for this position? And what will people think and will they think I'm greedy or I'm, you know, going way beyond what I'm capable of. And I, I was just stunned by it. And so, you know, I gave her some feedback in terms of how I saw her and it, it just, it just shocked her. She did not see herself that way. And I was shocked that she did not see herself that way. So it, it's continuing at all levels. And it's the self-awareness that you're talking about. Like, do you hear what you're saying in your head and here's what the world is thinking about you. So bringing awareness to that. The other thing is, I, I think you're right. You said earlier, I don't know that it ever goes away. I was on a call this morning with, you know, a, a whole group of colleague coaches and there's this inner thought like, Oh, I, yeah, I don't belong here. These people have more experience than me. They're better than me. They like it. And I'm like, Whoa, Kathy, like back the truck up. You're here for a reason. You have skills, abilities. And so, I mean, it hits, but it's learning to control it. So 
jump into your strategy. How do you help women get out of that imposter syndrome and really step into their full, beautiful, wonderful, fabulous self? Yes. Well, it's something that I like to call my 3T strategy. And the very first part, it's called take action. Um, And I'm convinced that that is really necessary because I feel that action is the antidote to worry. Yes. And it really helps us get over that resistance. And so whenever I work with someone, I insist that there has to be some action taken within seven days of our, of our meeting. And it, and it doesn't have to be this big, massive life changing action. It just has to be a step. Mm-hmm. And I think also through that process, it's important because I want people to see that change is a step. It's not a leap. Uh, women, especially as part of that resistance and fear, we see, you know, 10 years down the road and what if this happens or what if that happens and we think of and how will it affect my children and what will this person think and we haven't even taken that first step to find out if it's even the direction we want to go so taking action very important and also the more action we take the quicker we can find out if we're on the right path or if we need to course correct right when we just stay stuck we spin yeah well and i talk about uh a ball in motion stays in motion, Uh, a ball, you know, stopped, stays stopped. It's the inertia. Once you take a little step and I'm the same way, I never have at the end of a coaching call without giving somebody a little tiny action step to move them forward. Yeah. So I I agree. I think that's really important. And I, and I think it's that sneaky way because that's why I deal a lot with mindset these days. It's that sneaky way of tricking our brain. Oh, that wasn't so scary. So maybe I can take this other little step. And before we know it, we've advanced forward and we haven't scared the wits out of ourselves. And we're actually, (laughs) we're actually moving somewhere. Whereas before we were just stuck in the mud we were just spinning. Yeah. Okay. First T take action. Second T. Uh, The second is tools. And I like to think of, as I said before, careers being a journey. So I like to give the visual, you know, consider that you have this wonderful bag over your shoulder and your tools. What are you going to put in that bag for the journey? What What do you need for those moments when you get stuck or when you start getting attacked by imposter syndrome or doubting yourself or telling yourself all these negative stories that are probably not true. Um, And those things can be very personal, but I, you know, I throw out examples to people. It could be music, could be art, quotes, uh, could be a mentor that you, you know, you reach out to, could be, uh, you know, a book that has provided insights and comfort in the past, all those sorts of things. So that way, when you're on the trail and it gets a little spooky and the, you know, the, the night starts to fall and you really, you get that sinking feeling, you reach into that bag and you pull out a tool and it helps to change that energy a little bit. So you can feel brave to still move forward with that next small step. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're after my heart because I, I'm like the resource junkie. So I'm always sharing, here's a Ted talk. Here's a book. Here's, you know, watch this, do that. But also about mentors. I love that phone a friend piece kind of thing. But the other thing that I think more women need to put in their toolbox is other women. I think we're isolated and alone in leadership. We move up the ranks. And, you know, we used to be friends with our colleagues. And now we're supervising our colleagues in many ways. And we don't really have anybody to talk to. We don't have anybody who understands our journey. And so creating a sort of a circle. I have one client who creates a book club, you know, every couple months they pick a book and there's, you know, four or five EDs that read a book together, whatever it is. 
um, you know, find a way to connect to other women leaders because this is a lonely journey if you're doing it on your own. Well, and I think you just beautifully articulated the final T, which is ah. tribe. Yeah, you, you did it. It was beautiful. I don't even have to say anything uh, because I believe that your tribe is going to get you further than anything else because yeah. we really do need to have other people we can reach out to and share these stories with to, to realize that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that other people are having these experiences. But also, I like to sort of compare it to your, your tribe as sort of like a, like a training partner in a marathon, let's say, right? Yeah. So there's sometimes where, you know, it, in that partnership, I'm going to feel really energetic and I'm going to be pumped up and I'm going to lead the pace for the day. So I'm going to be out in front and I'll, yeah, we're good. You just yeah, keep yeah, following yeah, yeah, me yeah. and we're going to keep moving forward. But then there's going to be times where I'm going to feel pretty tired and, oh, I'm just not up to this today. And so, you know, my training partner or partners, they're going to be the ones leading the pace and saying, you know what, Anna, we're good. We've got it. You just keep following behind. I'll just keep yeah. moving forward. I'll set the pace today. And that's why I think your tribe is so important. So important because there are days when you are drained, exhausted, and you got nothing left. And you need somebody else to push you through, lift you up, encourage you, support you, uh, cheer you on. Uh, I, I, before Anna and I started this call, we were getting ready. And Anna is a Zumba teacher. And so, you know, it's like, how do you lift the energy up? How do you bring that back to your peers? And I think that's an incredibly important part is creating your tribe. Big time, big time. And just... A side note, when you said about about Zumba, that moving our bodies is just really important. It doesn't have to be Zumba. It can be whatever it is. But I think just moving our bodies does shift that energy. So when people are getting stuck or starting to feel worn out, get away from the desk, go for a walk, move around, do whatever, just shift that energy. And that's really going to help to reset. Oh, my God. It is a skill we are taught as coaches to physically change the way we are or get our clients to physically change the position that they're in. So if I'm sitting looking at my desk and they're stuck and can't figure anything out, I might say to them, turn your chair and look out the window. Now what opportunities do you see? And so changing the whatever's going on for you is, is amazing. Like our bodies, yeah, we get stuck, especially with Zoom, we get stuck in these boxes now. Oh gosh, no kidding. It's insane. But I will also say the latest course that I put into the training library is all about wellness at work. And my last client was just telling me that in the afternoon, she has to go pick up her kids at school. And so she has this, you know, 10 minute window where she gets up, leaves her desk, you know, runs and grabs the kids and come home. She's like, I'm so refreshed and recharged after. Like I get to see people and get outside. And I'm like, so what if you did that in the morning? Like for five minutes, you walked around the block. She's like, I don't have time for that. I'm like, but you just told me you would be more effective as a, as a worker, as a leader, if you did that. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but again, there's that permission, right? It's okay because yes. she's doing it in service for her children. Exactly. When it came to herself, oh, I'll worry about it later. Exactly. Right? So true. All right. Final thoughts, Anna. What do you want to tell the listeners about themselves, their leadership, their journey? Uh, really just that, you know, you're not alone in this. 
I really, I really wish there was some way to, to just convey this. And I guess it, like I said, it's just keep talking about this. Uh, the most famous accomplished whoever woman that you're looking at, I guarantee is struggling with the same problems that you are. So, um, you know, if you're feeling that way, please reach out to other people because I'm willing to bet the other people you reach out to are going to say, I think you're fabulous. What do you mean? How could you ever doubt yourself? Um, so I think that's really important. And I think, I think that reaching out to needs to be a real reaching out to real people. I think we get stuck in this social media bubble, which which really creates this, what I like to call comparisonitis. And so uh, again, in social media, we can construct these very perfect accomplished lives. It's a great place to hide. And it's also a great place to go and beat yourself up for all the ways that you're not being perfect uh, like everyone else is. And so while those can be great tools, you know, step away from that and try to connect with people on a real level and just have these real conversations. And I think it'll be very illuminating. And you just said tools. What's the tool that you have for the listeners today? Ah, they can grab. Uh, I have a, it's, it's a bit of a, I guess, a, a mini reflection journal. And it's really to help you think a little more about your feelings about ambition and what ambitious women are like and uh, you know, just really to to start looking at your views of this and perhaps how, how you're judging yourself or judging other women who you know aspire to certain things and just um, just a bit of an, illumin- an illuminating exercise. <laughs> awesome so people will find that in the uh, show notes and you'll be able to grab that download and now Anna tell people where they can find you. They can find me at Strut for Success. It's strut4success.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Strut for Success. And uh, certainly when you're there, feel free to sign up for my my free newsletter because I like to send out tips, tools, and a bit of mojo your way every week and uh, just keep this conversation rolling. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom, your ideas, your insights, your tools, your encouragement, your motivation. And, you know, I think that as we start to, again, create our tribe and help other women, I think we'll all rise up together. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the training library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome.